What's up, man? Welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that is helpful for you and your walk toward eternity. If you're a first-time listener, then I want to invite you to hit me up with your own questions at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. You can also critique and comment on this show and any other show we've done up to this point in our walk with each other. I also want to invite you to rate us and review us on iTunes and other podcast formats. This helps other people find out about the show and also share the show on your social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, because when you share the show, more people find out about the show. If the show is a gift for you, potentially it could become a gift for them as well. On today's show, we're going to talk about bad confession experiences. Like when we go to the sacrament and you know what, let's just be honest, like sometimes priests say some things that aren't cool um, and they can hurt us and they can become a barrier for us to want to receive that gift that Christ has given us in his church. We're also going to talk about scrupulosity and hell. And we're going to talk about less young people coming into the church. Uh, but before we get into those topics, I want to share with you a glory story. Today's glory story comes from a conversation I had with my friend uh, Chica. I was able to see my friend Chica a few weeks ago when I was in uh, San Diego with my buddy Bo and, and Father Ruben. And, um, and so her and I were catching up recently over the phone. And, and she shared with me a very beautiful story that I just want to share with you because it's a glory story of, of the lay saints, how we're all called to be saints. But this is a particular story about the lay vocation, the holiness. And it's about her mom, Miss Rose. Um, her, her mother, uh, Miss Rose, is a nurse and a holy woman, a disciple of Jesus Christ, and and her mother passed away from insufficient um, care. Um, and so, whenever Miss Rose was in her sixties, motivated by her own mother's passing, she decided to go back to school and learn how to run a business. And she started her own home health care business. And so, basically, if, if you had a wound that needed constant cleaning, um, she would come to you uh, daily to help you clean it, stuff like that. She would help you get physical therapy, help you get a therapist, et cetera, um, so that you could find healing in your own walk with the Lord. Um, and so, there was one woman that she went to go visit to to bring healing to, her charism of healing to, through her new profession. And when the woman saw her, the woman uh, rejected her. The woman um, uh, was very rude to her because um, a number of reasons. One, because she was black, you know, and, uh, and then and so the woman called her names and she just wasn't very nice to Miss Rose. But Miss Rose believed um, in, in her mission and she believed that, that God created her to help other people. And so she continued to show up. And so finally, the woman would let her in her home, and, and the woman would just say some of the most disrespectful things to Miss Rose, but Miss Rose would still go out of herself to help this woman. She would go out of herself to um, try to help this woman find healing. And, uh, and, and over time, one thing that the woman became aware of was that Miss Rose was like one of the only people who was intentional and consistent with her in her life. And Miss Rose also noticed this too. She was like, wait a minute, like very few people are ever here um, whenever I come to visit this woman, like she has no sense of community and, and, and just the house was a mess. And, and, and so Miss Rose then began to clean up the woman's house for her as well. She not only took care of her, her physically and medically, but she began to take care of just putting her house back into order. And she would, she would bring her food, healthy food, and, and she would take out her trash for her. And, and this woman really was being loved on by Miss Rose, even though the woman was so cold and harsh toward Miss Rose because of her own prejudices and her own, I guess, shame because of the way her house was and maybe her situation. Miss Rose continued to lean into her and love her. And so they began to have conversations and Miss Rose would share with her about her life and the woman would begin to open up and share about her life with Miss Rose. And, and one thing Miss Rose shared with this woman was her love for God, was her love for the scriptures, was her love for the church. 
And this woman at one point, I guess, made a comment about God, and it was a, it was a negative comment about God, similar to the way that she would speak about Miss Rose. This woman was a, uh, an atheist. And Miss Rose let her know, she said, look, you're not going to talk about God. Like, there's one boundary we're going to have in this relationship is you're not going to talk bad about my God. And I, I want to propose and suppose that it's because this woman, she probably really began to enjoy that relationship that she had with another human being. She didn't want to lose that. And so she began to ask Miss Rose about her relationship with God. Ms. Rose began to share her relationship with God, and eventually the woman and Ms. Rose began to pray together. Ms. Rose opened up the Word of God, the sacred scriptures, the Bible, for and with this woman, and uh, began to pray with her and for her. And, and the woman was able to receive the gospel, receive the joy of the gospel. This atheist woman received the joy of the gospel and entered into a relationship with God because Ms. Rose was unwilling to give up on this person who was very difficult to be around. And so the glory story is this, is that, you know what, long story short is what she did is what we're all called to do. What she did is not something that's isolated to the saints, but it's, it's, it's a calling for every single one of us who are called to become saints, right? Um, whether you're a priest, a religious, or a lay person, we are all called to continue to make a gift of ourselves, even to people who are difficult, because we have a great gift in Jesus, in the scriptures, and in the sacraments of the church. And if we have received this gift, then we must share this gift, even if it costs us, even if it hurts. We must share this gift of Jesus because it might be at the person's last moment, at the end of their life, when they finally open up and repent and turn to the gospel and receive Christ into their life and the sacramental life of the church. And so uh, my glory story is Miss Rose. Thank you so much, Miss Rose, for being uh, an intentional, authentic disciple of Jesus Christ, a radical disciple of Jesus Christ who really did go out and make a disciple um, of all nations and not just the comfortable nations, but you, you really made a gift of yourself in a powerful way. And I think that you are an inspiration to all of us when we have difficult family members and friends and coworkers and staff and, um, and coworkers and neighbors who, who could be difficult. We're not supposed to give up. We're not supposed to give up. Just because they're difficult, we're supposed to lean in even more. And you have reminded me uh, that today, and I pray you remind all the listeners as well. All right, before we get into today's topics, I have a follow-up from a previous episode. This comes in from Catherine. Catherine, love that name. Reminds me of Catherine of Siena. Catherine says this, Hi, Father Josh. Tell Marisa, I feel you, Mama. M-A-M-A-M-A-M-A. Catherine says that she feels you, Mama. Catherine says that she feels you, Mama. She says, teething is rough. My little man is going through it right now. I can offer you two pieces of advice. One, give your little one a lot of snuggle time. Snuggle time. You know, uh, Jesus told Faustina in one of the, um, the locutions uh, that he wanted her to snuggle with him in his heart. So, yeah, give your man a lot of little snuggle time. The pain is real and nothing makes the baby feel better than your reassuring arms. Second, if you can get a mesh feeder, use it to soothe the pain by placing little ice cubes inside or better yet, some frozen cubes of breast milk. Breast milk is a natural painkiller and great for teething babies. I swear, um, God thought of everything. He is so good to us mamas. So, Catherine, yeah, uh, thanks for that advice. I would have never known about uh, the frozen cubes of breast milk and the mesh feeder so yeah praise god so hopefully that advice is helpful for you marisa and all mamas out there who are uh, holding your babies right now who are experiencing the pain from teething all right on to today's show first question comes in from amy amy writes this from a bad confession experience dear father josh 
I thank you so much for your ministry. I've enjoyed listening to your podcast, and I can tell that you truly take all of our listeners' questions to prayer seriously and answer them thoughtfully and prayerfully. My question is about what to do when we've had a confession, a bad confession experience. I'm a lifelong Catholic, and I truly believe that the sacrament of reconciliation is a sacrament of healing. I've experienced this love and healing many times over the years, so I believe in its power. I try to attend regularly. My younger brother has autism and had a very negative confession experience many years ago when he was in high school. My dad took him to confession and suggested to my brother that he let the priest know in advance about his autism to help give the priest context. When my brother entered the confession and started off his confession by saying, I have autism, the priest told him that autism is a sin which it's not, by the way, for all of our listeners. He didn't tell our family that this happened until much later, and he hasn't been to confession since. This truly hurt my brother's faith, and understandably. I myself had a negative confession experience when I was in college. I was really struggling and hurting and was truly sorry for the sins I confessed that the priest told me, um, and the priest told me, I'm absolutely appalled by what you told me. This had never, ever happened to me, and I was confused. When I asked for absolution, he scoffed and said, I suppose. I was worried that my confession wasn't actually absolved, so I reconfessed everything to my regular priest and told him what happened. The difference between the two priests was like night and day, even though the sins were the same. My regular priest told me that if I ever was made to feel uncomfortable like that again, I had permission to stand up and leave. I'm sure that everyone has had bad experiences like these. I know sometimes people won't visit certain priests for confession. I understand that a priest during confession is in persona Christi, but how am I supposed to feel when my brother or a friend or myself have negative experiences with the priest who truly isn't acting as Christ during confession? I've had nothing but positive experiences with the sacrament since that one bad time during college, but it's always in my, the back of my mind. All it takes for some people is one negative experience to make them doubt the church and the healing power of reconciliation. How can a priest truly be in persona Christi if he's saying these hurtful things? So, is it ever okay to leave a confessional in an instance like this, and can a negative confession experience be invalid? All right, oh, thank you, Amy, so much. First of all, I just want to thank you so much for sharing um, for sharing the, your story. I'm so sorry that this happened to you in college and that this happened to your brother uh, as well. God bless you both. Uh, and let's pray right now for those priests um, who, who were just hurtful in the sacrament. Lord... I ask that you send forth your Holy Spirit upon those priests, your beloved sons, and and give them the graces that they need to have an authentic conversion and to repent um, from their attitudes and from their foolishness um, that they have manifested in the in the confessional. Lord, please help them become saints in their walk toward eternity. We ask this prayer, Heavenly Father, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Yeah, so Amy, uh, your story reminds me a lot of Gabrielle Bostis. She's an incorruptible uh, woman who uh, I believe she's a blessed. She might be a saint now, but I know for sure she's a blessed. Um, I, I went and visited her in Rome recently. Uh, she was a wife and she was a holy woman, a lay woman. And and she had these crazy visions, and she was a mystic. But before all that happened, she was just kind of like a you know, a, a, I would say probably a lukewarm Christian. And then she began to to feel the call to take her her faith a little bit more serious. And so she went to confession, and she went to confession, and the priest was totally uncharitable toward her, and it really wounded her. It was a bad experience, and 
she almost left the church, but she decided, you know, I'm going to give confession one more time, an opportunity. And so she went to her parish priest for confession for the sacrament of penance. And when she went to that sacrament, uh, the priest was so beautiful, and he just reminded her how much God loved her and was calling her to be a saint. And so she began to grow exponentially in the spiritual life through her frequent reception of the sacrament of reconciliation, penance, confession. Um, and, and as she began to immerse herself in the spiritual life, uh, she began to grow um, with a lot of supernatural charisms and use those charisms to bring a lot of transformation and reformation in the church of her time. Uh, and so I likewise believe the Lord can do the same for all of us. Uh, the thing about uh, the, the priest and the confession is uh, the priest has received at his ordination the gift that Jesus Christ gave the apostles, uh, whose sins you forgive are forgiven, whose sins you retain are retained, right? So that is one of the gifts that we receive um, at our ordination from our bishops. Um, however, um, just because we have a gift that we've been given at our ordination at holy orders doesn't mean that we ourselves are going to um, be gentle stewards of that gift, are beautiful stewards of that gift, right? It's kind of like baptism. At baptism, we all receive charisms. Charisms are supernatural gifts that are given to us at baptism that we use throughout our walk toward eternity to help other people experience the love of God. Right? Some people are given charisms of healing. Some are given charisms of evangelization. Some are given charisms of encouragement. Uh, some are given charisms of teaching, preaching, etc. Right? Uh, just because we have a charism does not mean that we're going to be beautiful in the way that we... Um, live our life outside of expressing those charisms because the charisms are given to us, not for us, but for other people. And so I know people who have the gift of healing who are jerks. I know people who have the gift of teaching who are unkind. I know people who have the gift of, of, of evangelization who outside of their gift of evangelization, they're not the nicest people I've ever come across. They're not the most virtuous people, but yet they're still have the gift because the gift was given to them for them to share with other people. Uh, likewise, the gift was given to priest to be able to um, absolve sins in the in, in the person of Christ, right? It's God who absolves the sins, but he does it through the priest, just like it's God who heals people through the people of that charism, right? So God does allow us to be that instrument, but we can still um, hurt people along the way because uh, the priests uh, aren't perfectly united to Christ um, in our thoughts, words, and actions at all times, right? Just like lay people aren't perfectly united to Christ in their thoughts, words, and actions, even though we have the gift we receive from God and we share that gift, that gift is authentic. So like I know a, a person who has a lot of supernatural gifts um, who personally isn't very virtuous, but yet they've been used by God to bring a lot of healing to a lot of people because of their charism. Um, but you can like use the charism and get people to heaven and go to hell yourself, you know? <laughs> so uh, it's, it's, it's really about trusting that the Lord is working through members of his body. Like God's typical MO, his normative way of communicating his grace to us is through people, uh, whether it's through a person who has the charism of healing, teaching, preaching, evangelizing, or the gift of the sacraments in the church. Um, I think many of us, like you said, have all had bad experience in the confessional. I remember one time I went to confession when I was in seminary, and the priest was like really into inner healing. And at that point, I'd already been through some inner healing, and I was going to confession because I wanted absolution. I didn't need to do a session of inner healing with them. And he tried to, like, legit do this inner healing stuff with me. And I was like, dude, like, bruh, nah, like, I'm good. I, I confess the vice. Like, I would like a penance that would maybe be about a virtue that I can cultivate that can oppose that vice. And, and I, I would really like absolution, right? Um, but he was just, like, super 
um, stuck on doing inner healing stuff. And so it was a bad experience. And, and he knew that I wasn't very happy with that experience. I've, I've had another priest when I was in seminaries to go to sometimes who talked a lot. And so I, I could go in there and legit confess one thing, like, man, whenever I was praying the liturgy of the hours, I was distracted, right? Uh, and for anything else, I can't remember. And he would legit spend like 30 minutes talking. Oh, my goodness. It was so annoying. However, I still got absolution from him. I still got the sacramental graces. Um, and so likewise, you, you can go to confession and the priest could be rude to you. Um, as long as he absolves you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit um, uh, from your sins, right? Uh, you're, you're golden. Um, can you get up and walk out if the priest is being rude? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And you can also let him know, right, why you're walking out. Like, Father, I, I understand you have this gift that you've been given, um, but I want you to know that because of your personality, I'm not in a place where I can I can receive this gift from you right now um, because you're probably causing me to sin just by being in your presence uh, because I'm going to start judging you because of your attitude. So, yeah, it would be good to even let him know. Right. Um, wait a minute. Hold on. When I was talking earlier about the mystic, let me follow up. I think I might have said, yeah, my bad. I said Gabriel Bosis. Gabriel Bosis is not the mystic whose body is incorruptible in Rome. Gabriel Bosis wrote one of my favorite books, He and I. The mystic whose body is in Rome is Blessed, she's a blessed, blessed Anna Maria Taiji. That's her name. My bad, y'all. Blessed Anna Maria Taiji. But shout out to Gabrielle Bosis because her book, He and I, is one of my favorites. Uh, so shout out to her as well. Uh, yeah, so uh, if you have a negative confession experience, the, the sacrament is still valid, right? Um, as long as the priest um, absolves you with the right words uh, and the intentions there, uh, you're, you're good to go. All right, on to the next question. Next question is about scrupulosity. And scrupulosity is from Stephen. Uh, Stephen says this, Hello, Father Josh. Hello, is it me you're looking for? Uh, I would like to start this email by thanking you for your podcast. It's been extremely helpful to me in understanding the teachings of the church and applying them to real situations that I face. Your friendly attitude and ability to explain doctrine in an accessible way is refreshing, and I thank God for the gift he has given the church in you. I'm 25 years old. I'm a cradle Catholic. I attended Catholic school up to about ninth grade, although I fell away from practicing the faith in college. One of the main reasons for this was I did not understand the church's teachings on subjects like same-sex relationships and contraception and saw them as out of touch and prejudiced. About two months ago, I had an experience that brought me back to the church, praise God, and I decided to start intentionally living my faith. This led me to do research on the church and its teachings, and I realized that I was ignorant of many things, such as the precepts of fasting for meat on all Fridays. I've never heard the precepts mentioned in school or church. What I realized through my research is that my conception of the church was very different from the reality of it, and the reality is scary. I used to think that hell was reserved for the worst of humanity, but Jesus himself says in the Gospel of Matthew that broad is the road to destruction and only a few find the gate of life. This passage in particular absolutely destroyed me. It seems that most of the world is destined for hell instead of heaven. Most of this gospel is Jesus talking about hell and the many things you can do that will send you there. After finishing the gospel of Matthew, I've been too scared to read the rest of the New Testament. I follow the Ten Commandments as best as I can, and I go to confession regularly. I attend Mass on Sundays, and I try to go at least one other day a week. I crack down on things in my life that were near cages of sin. I pray daily, including the rosary. Praise the Lord for that prayer and for the wonderful gifts of our Mother Mary. I fast once a week. I give money during the collection at Mass, and I donate to charitable organizations, and I try to give money or buy food for the homeless when I encounter them. 
And despite doing these things, I'm still scared of God's wrath and of going to hell. I feel like almost everything I do is a sin, even down to buying non-essential items like a roll of film for my camera. This fear is affecting my ability to get through the day and enjoy life, even good things like spending time with my friends. I also work in an industry that is very anti-Christian, and my coworkers are all pro-abortion, pro-gay marriage, etc. I have one friend that is a practicing Catholic, but he lives far away, and I only see him in person every couple of months. Returning to my faith helped me with some of the struggles I was facing, but it has also brought a host of new struggles I was not ready for. I desperately want to live a good Catholic life and be with our Lord in heaven, but I feel lost and, and I'm scared of ending up in hell. I've been stuck in this mindset for weeks and I don't know how to get out of it. Any advice or words of encouragement you can give would be greatly appreciated. Whoa, Stephen, thank you so much. Yes, I did spend some time in prayer for you. And um, man, God bless you, my brother. Scrupulosity is a very real thing. And um, and so I'm just going to share with you a few things that came up to me during my prayer for you. Uh, A few songs came up that I want to invite you to pray with. I don't know if you like to pray with music or not, but um, there's my favorite way of praying is Lexio Divina. Alexia Davina has the, the four steps. I have the fifth step. You you read, what does the text say? You meditate, what is it saying to me? You pray with it, have a conversation with Jesus about it. You contemplate, you gaze at the face of God as he gazes at your face, and then you come up with a resolution um, after that time of prayer. And so in my prayer for you, what came up to me just to invite you to pray with yourself is first to listen to um, three songs. Uh, Hillsong United has Oceans. Matt Meyer, Lord, I Need You, and Will Reagan, Break Every Chain. That Will Reagan is like one of my favorite. Like I think he's like one of the most anointed writers of our generation. Uh, but his song is it's legit. Uh, there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power. Yeah, he goes so hard. And uh, so I want to invite you to apply the steps of Lexi Divina with those three songs. Um, and then after that, um, the scripture that came up for me to share with you was uh, Peter walking on water, right? Peter's walking on water and he's looking at Jesus. And as long as he was looking at Jesus, like there was a storm going on all around him, uh, but he was able to walk on water. And the second he took his eyes off of God and fixed his eyes on the storm, he began to sink and became very anxious, became very worried. And I think the same thing happens to us whenever we go into prayer and we take our eyes off of the face of Jesus and we look at our life situation, our circumstances, our stuff, our mess, our struggles, our fears, our, our wounds, our worries, all of a sudden we're going to fall and we're going to stress out and we're going to become super over, overcome with anxiety. Um, so I really want to encourage you to, to lean into that scripture passage and follow the example of Peter whenever he looked at Jesus. Because um, there's a storm going on in your life right now, Stephen, and, uh, and I think the temptation for you right now is to navel gaze and to fo- overly like, examine your day, overly examine your life. And I think Jesus wants you to just fix your eyes on him, on him over and over again and do Lexio with that passage so that you can recognize that Jesus Christ, um, his grace is enough for you, even with scrupulosity. And finally, I just want to invite you to gaze at the face of Jesus, right? Look at the face of Jesus. In my experience, whenever there are people who struggle with scrupulosity, typically, um, they aren't people who are going to just go against the gospel to go against the gospel, right? They're not people who are are, are just going to um, try to offend Jesus Christ. Um, They're people who really want to be saints. Um, But because of scrupulosity and because of um, an over-fixation on heaven and hell and and, and where am I going right now and, and being more concerned with that than just with him, period, the advice is typically 
look at Jesus intentionally. And I, I find those songs that I share with you, that scripture passage that I share with you, and just that practice of just gazing at the face of God help us to gaze at the Lord. A proper place to talk about your your examination of your day and where you're doing really well at in discipleship and where you're in need of growth would be in spiritual direction. And so, and, and in, uh, if you have a good pastor or counselor who is, is a disciple, uh, that would be a place to follow up with those topics. But I would say outside of like, because if you find yourself to be a scrupulous person, then outside of spiritual direction and, and counseling or pastor counseling to to limit the amount of time that you spend uh, fixing your eyes on all that stuff. You know, like, am I doing enough? Am I doing like, like the, the checklist, the to-do the to -do list? You know, focus more on him. Focus more on Jesus. And then when you go to spiritual direction, you can talk about your struggles with the to-do to -do list or whatever. Um, but I think if you just fix your eyes on Jesus, he'll give you the grace um, because of your love for him and his love for you. He'll give you the grace to fulfill all the demands of discipleship and, and to make a total gift of yourself for the poor and to be a, a person who, who lives out the Ten Commandments um, with great faith. Um, but, yeah, yeah, so I think I really want to just encourage you to that right now, to focus on Jesus, to, to, to try to fix your eyes on him and apply the steps of Lexio with those songs and with those passage, that passage from the Word of God. Maybe another passage would be Dismiss the Good Thief on the Cross as well, so you can just see the divine mercy of Jesus Christ present. Um, and the fact that he's never going to give up on you, and he's going to give you every chance to become a saint. Just like Miss Rose, Chica's mom. Miss um, Rose was used by God to go after this woman who was an atheist who disdained God um, because she was unwilling to give up on this woman because God really was unwilling to give up on this woman. And God's unwilling to give up on you, and he will give you every opportunity to be saved. Um, so I think you should just focus on your interior life, and then from your interior life will flow all the actions that Jesus Christ invites us to do um, in our walk toward eternity. All right, so what do y'all think? Do y'all have any additional advice for, for Stephen? Hit me up at askfatherjosh at assistantpress.com and let me know. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to dive into our final question about young people leaving the church. Two thousand years ago, Jesus Christ chose corrupt, broken, imperfect, sinful men to be the foundation of his church. And because these broken, imperfect men chose to remain in relationship with Jesus, they became saints. And they were used by Jesus to transform hearts and minds two thousand years later. I invite you to check out my book, Broken and Blessed where you'll find practical tools to overcome habitual sin, to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and to walk with an imperfect church toward a perfect God who is calling all of us to perfection over time. To order the paperback book or audiobook, Broken and Blessed, visit ascensionpress.com or Amazon. And we're back. Quick reminder, you can send me your questions at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. You can also rate us and review us on iTunes and other podcast formats to help other people find out about the gift of the show. And please share us on your social media pages, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and every other place where you are online so that other people can hear about the show in and through you. Final question comes in from Liam. Liam asks this, young people leaving the church. Hello, Father Josh. My name is Liam, and I've been listening to your podcast for a while now, and they are great. Uh, I wanted to start off with a thank you because you've, you've truly changed my life. 
Uh, from what I can tell, you've done the same for many others. My question is about the future of Catholicism. Catholics I know, my friends, even my brothers, seem to be slowly departing from the church. I understand that not everyone stays Catholic when they're older because they somehow don't believe in God or don't care enough to go to Mass, pray, or even acknowledge God. But my generation seems to have fully departed from the faith for some reason. I don't know if it's just me that's seeing this issue, but only very few people I know plan on staying members of the church after we graduate from high school. This worries me for the future. What will the church look like if this continues, and how can I help bring these people back into the church without pushing them farther away, Liam? All right, Liam, great question. I'm going to share with you three experiences I've had um, that might be helpful for you. The first one is, a, and I've shared this on the show before, but I think it's, just, it's very important, is number one, joy of the gospel. My, my best friend, Sam, um, he, he was a radical disciple when we were growing up, and then he fell away. And um, he fell away for a while. And while he fell away, I was really growing my relationship with Jesus Christ. And he and I would get together uh, one, two, three times a year um, and have dinner. And every time we'd get together for like eight years for dinner, uh, he would see my joy because I was living a moral life. I was trying to live as a disciple. I was praying daily. I was immersed in the sacraments. I was going to mass. I was going to confession. I was um, trying to fulfill the demands of discipleship. And because of that, I was joyful. And he saw that and he wanted it. And so um, it was my joy that drew him to actually enter the Catholic Church. Uh, He was a Protestant Christian before, and he said, I want the sacraments like you have because I see your joy. So number one is be joyful, a joyful witness to a living relationship with God and the sacramental life of the Catholic Church. Number two, invite. My friend Brandy invited me. She invited me to a conference whenever I was going astray, and it was an invitation that that changed my life forever. Like my life has been forever changed because this one girl reached out to me and invited me to go to Steubenville South in 2004. And likewise, you have the capacity to simply, as a joyful disciple of Jesus Christ, to invite people. A lot of people say that they never went somewhere, never went to church, never prayed, never did a Bible study because they were never personally invited. It's not enough to do it on social media. Like personally invite your friend to a relationship with God while you accompany them in that relationship. And number three, uh, small group Bible studies. Um, since I've been a pastor at my church, Holy Rosary, and even when I was at Christ the King, one of the things that we really focused on was the way of the Master, Jesus Christ, focused on small group community. And so that's what we do. We focus on small group discipleship and Bible studies. Uh, Jesus Christ spoke at conferences every now and then. He did Steubenville conferences, CCNO conferences, Abbey conferences. But in general, he was all about the 12. And within the 12, it's about the three, Peter, James, and John. And so I would encourage you um, to cultivate small group community through Bible studies with your friends and with your family. And what I've seen in my parish is that when people do this in the community, when they have Bible studies at their homes, their neighbors hear about it and their neighbors who fell away from the church want to join their Bible studies. And this draws them back to that community. And from that community, they're brought back to, drawn back by the grace of God to the sacrament of life for the Catholic Church. And so I think that the way of the church in the future is, I think the church will flourish if we are joyful witnesses of the gospel who invite people to small group Bible studies. And from the small group Bible studies and community life, we're going to see people fall in love with Jesus in the context of the word. And the word will convict people to come back to the sacrament of life for the Catholic Church. And from them living and abiding in the sacrament of life for the Catholic Church, we're going to see a host of new saints um, in our generation. So those are my thoughts. All right, let's, uh, let's go ahead and pray right now. Let's, I think I've said enough. I think I've said enough for us to chew on right now. So in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Father, God, we love you, adore you, worship you. You are so good. You are our everything. 
You mean the world to us, Jesus. We love you so much. Come, Spirit of God, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to rest well. Teach us how to experience recreation in you so that we can share the gift of our relationship with you, with all of our brothers and sisters in our walk toward eternity. Give us the grace to be radical disciples of Jesus Christ. Give us the grace to be merciful to brothers and sisters in Christ who are struggling right now and who are not living up to the demands of discipleship, who are not living up to your gospel, but who are who are really falling astray. If you allow us to see any wrinkles in the body of Christ right now, Lord, I ask that you give us the grace to extend your mercy and your love and your truth to them today so that we can be a bridge for them to come and encounter you just as many times you have used other members of the body of Christ to draw us to a deeper relationship with you through their love and their charity, their truth and their mercy. Lord, you are so good. You are so forgiving. You are so merciful. Please give us the grace to imitate you and our walk toward heaven so that people can experience your love as we experience your love in our interior life and in our, in our discipleship and in our relationship with you. We ask this prayer, Father, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. I, right, y'all, cannot wait to continue to walk with you in the future, and let's, uh, let's all try to be saints, so that even if we don't get to meet in person in this life, we can abide with each other forever in the kingdom of heaven. <laughs>